album every week club it is week three and as usual we have mr finley napier with us aqualung my friend aqualung and our special guest this week is louis peterson how you doing late very good hello guys it's lovely to spend my my evening with you it's great to see you have we all got a wee beverage on the go here yeah i do and a bowl of snacks which i'm I'm probably going to be sucking the crisps so you can't hear them. <laughs> uh, just go for it. It's fine. I, I think they call that the they call that the Duncan Chisholm rule. If you play um, Kirkcaldy Acoustic Music Club, do you know about that? No. It's called the Duncan Chisholm rule because somebody ate a bag of crisps through Duncan Chisholm playing uh, a slow air, and Fiona has never forgiven them, and she calls it the Duncan Chisholm rule because it's so. If you're eating crisps, you have to eat them out of a bowl. Because imagine, oh. all the way through. Anyway. Lovely. Thanks. So, yeah, Finley's got a beer on the go. I've left mine in the fridge, so that was pointless. Yeah, uh, at least it'll be nice and cold. Yeah, something to look forward to. Um and this week's album of the week, uh, which Lou picked for us, was Molly Tuttle, But I'd Rather Be With You, um, which is a, a covers album. I think that's the first time we've ever had a covers album. Um, so, I, did, have you, I was just thinking, did you have Molly up in Shetland for the festival a few years ago? Yeah, that's how I first I came was... to know about her. She was up with a, a group called the Goodbye Girls, which oh, yeah. was kind of like a American string band but with a Swedish fiddle player as well and a Canadian banjo player so they were actually not that American <laughs> <laughs> she was the American um, yeah it was four piece band um, they were a bit of a super group so it was uh, Brittany Carlson on bass and Alison the group she's uh, Bob uh, you know, uh, I forgot his name Molsky Bruce Molsky Oh, um, she's his uh, kind of banjo player and his um, band that he tours with um, and then um, Lena Johnson the fiddle player from Sweden was in them as well so um, and Molly was guitar and did some songs and I, I was just blown away with her when it came to the concerts but I first heard her um, as you guys all know when you're on your way up to the Shetland Folk Festival you get the ferry in Aberdeen and then it's overnight and um, a session broke out with all the kind of American and Americana artists in the cafeteria of the boat. And I kind of went, gravitated towards it, really. And um, there was this moment, and you, you know when somebody's really good because it, you know that all the other musicians go silent when that person plays their little solo bit, like a, in an Americana kind of piece, and it, the whole cafeteria just went silent, and she was doing all these guitar solos and... And then she did some songs in that session as well, and you were just left in no doubt that she was some talent. So I kind of always kept an eye out for her since then. That was about four years ago. And she seems to be coming a, a bigger and bigger name every year. Um, but the reason I chose this album was not just because I think she's a great musician, but also I just find that the idea of doing a covers album quite, quite different. And the covers that she's chosen, I think, are are not your obvious choices, are not safe choices either. Um, we'll probably go more into that. but um, And the fact that she recorded it all in last summer, so that she would have been in the middle of a lockdown in America when it all happened. So, um, yeah, that's... I don't think it's even her best work, to be honest, but I just found it very interesting album to, to kind of chew through. Yeah, it was, it was funny. See, after that Shetland Festival, I even coming off the back of that I just heard so many people who'd been at that and you know what when you start to hear a name and then you hear it two or three times from two or three different people you're like alright I need to go and check this out and it so often happens at these festivals especially like Shetland and Orkney more so Shetland actually because I think you guys get more kind of international accent and yeah these names just start to kind of bounce back to you and you hear them over and over and this is I've heard a couple of her tracks before but this is the first time I've really listened to a few of her albums so uh, no I was a great a great world to get into but I, I didn't even realize um how it'd been recorded until about 10 minutes ago and i went on and had a look um and that she'd recorded all the guitar and 
uh, our vocals at home and just sent them off and it was a bit of a, a Zoom album putting it all together but um, yeah so Finlay what was your yeah, were there lyrics well, in this album yeah there was lyrics in this album Excellent. thank god thank god um, the thing I guess the thing that, that got me the most about it was first of all I was listening through it and I was like oh that's, that's quite not that into the first song and second song god that's a bit weird and then the third song and I was like that's quite weird but it's quite familiar and then the fourth song came on and I went this is a covers album <laughs> Wait a minute! I've and just, I looked up, but but I was I was I was delighted with it because this is something I've been banging on about for about a year. Is that why is everybody recording albums of all their own songs? Why aren't they doing more albums like this? Because this is this is a classic Nashville move. Yep. Um, I'm thinking Linda Wally, Linda Ronstadt isn't particularly Nashville, but Linda Ronstadt, Emmy Lou Harris. Um, great vocalists back in the day. This was an absolute standard move. They would maybe have one song on their album and the rest were all covers of brilliant songs that they liked. Um, and what a, what a great idea. I mean, it probably goes against the let's listen to an album every week club thing of original material. I don't even know if we had ever set that rule. Oh, it was no live albums, wasn't it? Was it that the rule? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah I think we said that. There, there was something like that or no live albums and no compilations. But this is, I think this is great. And it hangs together, hangs together beautifully. I mean, that one, the only clangy bit for me was the switch from Fake Empire to She's a Rainbow and A Little Lost. That felt like a wee whoop, bump, and then it just went. And for me, it was there was not a bad, not a bad thing on it, really. Yeah, I think um, for for me, then there's a lot of there's a few of the bands that she's covered that I'm a huge fan of, um, especially like back in university days. Like I was a massive National fan, a massive Yeah Yeah Yeahs fan. So, like I would never dream of trying to cover those kind of acts, especially the National. I just think they're so distinctive and. Their singer is so distinctive as well, but it kind of works. But it's almost like she's put that as the first track to set out. By the way, this isn't your normal Nashville, like this isn't your normal covers album. I'm not just doing standard bluegrass country songs. This is me doing an indie Aye. band kind of thing. It's stretching it's almost, out. Yeah, but I, I agree. It's it is a weird that first few tracks are doesn't. I don't know if they really fit together that smoothly the whole album I think fits together pretty well but those first few tracks are very different but I wonder if that's maybe a thing like if you can if you if you can get this far you get you get rewarded maybe that's what it is it's like this is just her setting out the stall in the first two tracks I mean I get I mean I, I don't know but perhaps in, a, in America you know that fake empire tracks a big draw actually as I listened to it more and more, I really liked it because it's it had that. Is that the one with sipping out of lemonade tins? It's got that line, like we'll put a little, like put something, put a in. little whiskey, put a little something in my lemonade. Yeah, so yeah, and I was just like that. And once I heard that line, I was like, oh no, actually, I mean, I, I like that just for that line alone. I now like that song. <laughs> um, but she's a rainbow was strange, and of course now what what am I singing when I'm wandering around the flat all the time? She's a bloody rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> she does say it quite a lot of times in that track. Yeah. Goes yeah, it's strange. I read up on that. She's a rainbow track, and it's like the only positive Rolling Stones song ever written. <laughs> it's like uncharacteristically upbeat and happy Rolling Stones song. It was in some re- review of that. Just like what 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 happened to them that day? <laughs> it's like they're all night. They were in a great mood when they wrote that. A big royalty check came through. <laughs> yeah, oh, big royalty check. Maybe life isn't so bad. Yeah, just before the door got kicked in and they got busted for drugs or something. Uh, it was painted black. <laughs> and then it was painted back to painted black. <laughs> oh, fuck this rainbow. Paint it black. <laughs> You're saying there, Finley, about you know how like covers albums and people used to do covers the whole time. It was like back when the focus was kind of on the song and it being a hit and it was to find the yeah. song that was a hit and then he just kept juggling to find the artist that was going to get it over. But there was no problem with that at all. You know, it was just like, right, try again because we know this will it will work. But it just needs the right voice and the, and the right arrangement. Um, I think that I guess it's a wee bit unfair because I know that like with Emily Harris, like a lot of the songs were written by um, oh, I've just forgotten his name, 
but a lot of the songs were written by one guy, you know, and that was kind of like the guy. It's almost like she was paired up with him. She did an album with him recently. I'll, I'll find out in a second and, and come out with his name. Somebody listening right now is going absolutely nuts that I can't remember the name. Um, Emily but, Harris is, yeah. Uh, Emily <laughs> The guy, Emily Harris, it's that man! Um, anyway, I, so, the, and then, but there was always songs by other people, do you know what I mean? Um and certainly, there's this. It, this reminded me of there's a there's a couple or maybe three uh, albums by Linda Ronstadt that are just it's just like an amazing running order. You're like, oh, that's a great song. Oh, that's a really good song. And some of them you're like, oh, I'm not so keen on the arrangement on that particular one. But you know, mostly the album is incredible. You know, um, and the, the reason I thought of Linda Ronstadt is that she's got a couple of brilliant Rolling Stones covers on her and some of her records that just sound amazing like better than the rolling stones one of them in particular so um yeah but that song there olympia washington olympia wa that's a absolute brilliant song and i listened to the original i was like a kind of the, the original's quite good fun but the guy singing drives me nuts and i was like thank you molly tall <laughs> i would probably have never listened to that song all the way through had i not had i not got you heard her singing it you know now i've got a way to learn it myself because i like it so much i've I've had a weird process with this record because i didn't know a lot of the originals i knew a few of them like the national and um there's another couple i recognized straight away but but i didn't go and look at the originals until tonight so i was just kind of taking it as an album like it didn't feel like a covers album to me it wasn't that super obvious so it did feel kind of it was quite jumpy in places and quite you know if you're just thinking of it from a record point of view um, but then when I put on the originals, it was hilarious, you know, because I've heard these songs now about five times each. And like the, the Harry Styles one, I actually really like that Harry Styles version. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, Shh, I, I love know, it. I know, I know, I know, but it's like, <laughs> I need to check out some of his albums. He's a talented boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that that record, I think, is definitely one that we should do for Let's Listen to an Album Every Week Club. I, I thought that was amazing. I was like, listening to it in the. In, the, in Morrison's yesterday while I was buying my wow. beer for this podcast and I thought, bloody hell, this is great. Harry Styles, of course, good friends with Bruce McGregor. Is that right? Do you know that story? No, he, tell he, us. Bruce got a phone call from some manager saying uh, we're wanting to come and film something um, up at Bog Bain as a location with a kind of backdrop out onto Inverness and stuff. And I, I can't remember the full story. They had him up in a crane. But anyway, Harry Styles arrived for a day and was filming at Bog Bain. Right. So apparently a very nice young man. Very nice. So is that what he said? I'm surprised Bruce hasn't got him signed up to do some uh, extravagant kind of charity thing. <laughs> have you have you heard the original of something on your mind, the Karen Dalton song? Yeah, just to now. Just just quickly. Uh, that's, that's an that's an amazing recording, and I think that would be uh, that would be the one that I would most fear as the coverer of of songs would be one like that where it's like that feels like such a unbeatable unmatchable upable two there's probably a better word than that uh unmatchable upable two song you know um but i'll tell you what, i thought it was a great version that she did of that what, what i noticed about just just quickly listening to all the originals was like they're different it's obviously a different band and a different approach but it's not like a complete rework of the songs. Like mostly all the kind of hooks are the same, you know, like the guitar riffs and all that stuff. It, she's kind of playing just acoustic versions of them. Then they've added all this stuff around about it, but it's not because a lot of time with covers, you can completely strip out all the hooks and all the riffs and change the chords and change the harmony. And, you know, the really the only thing that's sitting there is going to be the top line that is the same, but it seems like she's stuck pretty close. Like all the kind of main features are there. Um, uh- what I did like though is um, because if you've heard her before and you know that she's known for her guitar so- like her own guitar solos and she she kind of manages to make it, that kind of style work in a lot of the songs yeah. so that, like um, uh, actually, she's a rainbow actually it's got a great little uh, picking riff that you're like oh where did that come from kind of thing. and, and they've, somehow even the way they've recorded it there's a lot of space for her guitar like it's a lot of like it's not cluttered. It's you really hear it really cleanly. Uh, what's going on? I think the other one that I really like solo is zero. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got this really cool. It's like the drum and an acoustic guitar, 
is what you're hearing for a lot of it, and there's loads of space, and it's just such a cool, cool sound that they get with it. Do you know that um, that, that is actually my only negative, my only gripe about the thing was was the guitar sound, and I, I feel bad about this now, having seen it. She recorded it at home, but I don't think it's so much about how she's recorded it. I think it's it just the choice in mixing because it, it just seems it sounds super compressed to me, like it's like you can feel it pulling away from you, and you kind of know what that guitar would sound like if she was sitting playing it, but. Even in the first track, the first second of the record, you just hear the first chord and it's just got a suction on it, less big compressors just going froom. And I think they've done it to make it, you know, it's they're, they're going to build a mix around about that because that's the, her main sound. And to make it, all the quiet notes really stand out and even, but it feels really unnatural to me. And that, I mean, it's just a personal taste because I know it's really in fashion at the minute, but whenever like acoustic instruments that you know sound open and lovely and, you know, ringy and get slammed like that I, I struggle with it a wee bit because I'm just like ah, just open it up a bit and it will it would still sound great but they've they've went proper poppy on it and then I went back to listen to the her previous two albums and they don't do that at all like the guitar sounds completely different and I was just like oh, I wish I wish it went with that for this um Oh uh, yeah, because I tell you what would be brilliant, and I hope that they do it because loads of folk. This seems to be another like common thing at the moment is to do another release where it's just her vocal and her guitar. That'd be. Brilliant. I wonder if I wonder if they would do that because that would be an amazing thing to hear. Because um, I bet she's obviously it's a second release, you know. You know, she's obviously you know recorded them, so she'll have had the whole arrangement. The guitar parts are really involved and busy, so it'll all be there just in the guitar and the vocal. So. Yeah, but a lovely thing to hear that. Just take the band off and uh, that, that the guitar solos in Olympia, Washington are just there's about three. Is there three of them, Louis? I'm not sure. Two or three in Olympia, Washington, that are just like proper wee shreds. But the, yeah, <laughs> you almost the thing that I like guessing. It's one of the beauties about listening to music, I suppose, is that your imagination. I I started imagining her as like a being at school and what what music was she listening to? Aye, yeah. And, and what was you know, was she a was she a metalhead secretly? <laughs> but her but her family like her because her family the Tuttles are really famous as a in in the kind of Americana world as her father was a really well known musician, a brother plays and all that. So they had a band called the the Tuttles. And you can almost imagine like she you know, her head in her head she was a an indie or a rocker, but she had to play, had to pick. Yeah. So it's almost you kind of your imagination goes kind of haywire with that. You're, you're imagining what the backstory is and why she's picked those songs and she, things she, like that. So. She might still be like that, and you know, once just once you get really good at something, it's like, well, this is easy. <laughs> I'm not joining a metal <laughs> band now, <laughs> but that's still the. Uh, I I was definitely the same with Scottish dance band music. It was, I was it was. They wanted to make it down the road, but I just couldn't do it. I was like, nope. <laughs> I, but, do you know, that's one of the things, I, I, and I wonder maybe if you get the, the CD, because I don't have it on CD, if you get just a wee bit more information about them, because I would love to know, I'd love to know how they made those decisions on on, 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 on what she picked. Like, is it is it her mixtape? Do you know what I mean? Is that her? Is that her? You remember like we used to make mixtapes on C90 cassettes for your girlfriends put a lot of love mix- hearts on the cassettes <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't do that like you, but, you, know. you didn't do that yeah no, no, you no, did no, no, no. make up elaborate sleeves yeah. just just, just handwrite everything in block capitals and black ballpoint pen very small get as many things in as, <laughs> no. as many songs on as possible here's an I managed to find a song that was exactly 30 seconds long to fit in this gap because I told I don't like silence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make the Shetland uh, mixtape would have been Johnny Cash, Status Quo, <laughs> and ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> not, not unlike a Strathspey one then, really. <laughs> Probably Leonard Skinner. <laughs> well, that, that's a nightmare for a mixtape. Too long. Too long. Too long. Yeah. Oh, no, but that's perfect. You don't have to yeah. spend too much time. It's just 20 minutes of Freebird on one side. and Three Freebirds on one side. And that's <laughs> yeah. But once you're getting onto the real high level, you're working out where one song ends, you know, where the flip of it is, so you can flip the tape and it starts another one, like your other favourite song. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's like <laughs> different level of sequencing, you know, to get that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just there. Uh, 
I've got our, our sleeve notes up here, uh, but they're really small and I can't read them. But she does explain all about this, so I'll I'll send you them over if you'd like. Oh to see man, it. I should have read it out in a silly voice over a <laughs> <laughs> over an instrumental, shouldn't I? Yeah. Maybe I, was... I should have read it out over a, a winged whatever that band was called from two to two weeks ago that yeah, I've forgotten the name just of. Just always go back to it. Yeah. Um, but no, I've 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 loved. I have I did enjoy the album, but I think I do. It's it's been more of a gateway to open up the other two records and go back i think i enjoy them more just i think you know it's funny when you get a block with something and just the sound on this record i'm, I'm not a big a huge fan of the actual how it's all put together not not the playing i think the playing's great and i think i love some of the drum stuff on it but yeah it just all sounds a bit squished to me um but going back um i'm definitely going to go and have a proper listen to those albums now because you can hear the quality that's there and even our voice, it just it, when it's just more open and just they, they've done less with it, it just feels so much better. But yeah, we should start a campaign for the album to be remixed as a. <laughs> as <laughs> just, a just, like, she she must have done that. She must have those because that that would be. A no I, think lo- I think loads of people are doing that these days. It seems to be quite a common thing. They pop up six months later on yeah. on Spotify and Apple Music as as like uh, a, the one of the first people I saw doing it was Saint Vincent with one of her more recent albums. I thought it was a really good idea. In fact, they were almost completely different versions as well, I think. It wasn't just like they'd muted all the other things. She actually just did other versions of the same songs. Um, and I, I think that's quite a cool idea. Um, I've seen here, it's it was mixed by Will McLennan, um, who does a lot of Blake, uh, Blake Mills stuff. Do you know Blake Mills? Mills, Mills met with stunning met with stunning silence from from Glasgow you, here. You guys like <laughs> them. You guys are like but his stuff's super interesting. Like in the the production and everything in it, it's it's incredible. So he's obviously a very high level engineer. So it's obviously been a a total vibe they've went for. Um, yeah, they've gone they've gone for it, haven't they? I mean, the people that they've thrown at this the, the um, are are kind of amazing. And do you know what's a bit of a shame? They've thrown all these people at it, and the bottom line is it. it, it She's the, she's the star, really. Do you know what I mean? And I kind of feel like they've gone, yeah, but she's not quite good enough. And it's like, oh, I've seen her play live and she's bloody amazing. She doesn't need all these stars attached to it. But maybe this is a conscious choice of like, let's sell her to a bigger market. Let's try and cross her over. Let's try and let's try and sell some units. And, you know, and I guess it's quite good as well because they're not burning through her material to do that. It's a nice stepping stone for her to cross over. Yeah. Um, and yeah, widen. that's good. Yeah. You know, maybe that you know, maybe that's maybe that's what the thinking is here. In fact, it probably is the thinking here. Um, but I, I, yeah, I guess it would be a shame. I mean, I wasn't that offended by the sounds, um, really. And I, but I mean, I guess the other thing is, I was just really listening to the words, and I was, I was, I've said it. I'll say it again. I was delighted with her cover of "Something on Your Mind." I thought that was it was so good, um, and I love a Grateful Dead cover every time. Standing on the moon brilliant um and then the wee cat stevens at the end for just for you angus a cat stevens track at the end that was it he called me up just to, he was telling did me did he call it. you up to yeah. say no i didn't just to no. tell you <laughs> but i could but how did he tell you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how can i tell you that i'm sacking you <laughs> <laughs> i'll do it through a song good night angus <laughs> and i felt wonderful about it i was like oh Thank you. What's your name? <laughs> uh, Live or whatever your name is. <laughs> <laughs> Did you check out that guy Arthur Russell, by the way, from that song, A Little Lost? Because yeah. what? I, now, I, I went looking to, to find, I could only find a version by, um, my head's com- got, completely gone to mince, but, uh, oh God, what's the guy that did Illinois? Oh, um, uh, Sufjan. Sufjan Sufjan Stevens. I could only find his version of A Little Lost. No, I've got it. But I know, and I heard the version of Arthur Russell find it eventually on YouTube. But I feel like there's another, that song, the melody of that was so good. And I was like, I've heard this before, but I cannot think where I've heard it before. So I I, I want to know who else has recorded that. Unless somebody played me the, uh, whatever his name is, version. Um, 
the Illinois version. Uh, not Illinois. What's his name again? Sifjin Stevens. <laughs> Tell you, man. I've been on Zoom for five days straight. <laughs> wow. That's not healthy, man. It's not. Uh, yeah, that's a really interesting. Uh, it's a really weird sounding track, that Arthur Russell one. Mm -hmm. Like it's proper old school, like super interesting. Uh, he he seems like a really it seems like a really cool thing. I'm going to see if I can hunt out that documentary. It's probably kicking about on i iTunes somewhere. Um, but yeah, like an avant garde um, cello dude from New York that died in the died in the nineties, I think, or the late eighties or early nineties. But it's just yeah, it was pretty. But it sounds like he you know he yeah he really pushed the boundaries of music and. Um, a lot of his stuff, I think, seems to have popped up in films and things like that. But what little I read, read about him, I thought this is I'm going to find the documentary and find out more because there's something there's something going on here with this guy. Because that song is to me is just oh I just I just thought it was so good, and yet to to have come from someone who sort of who makes noises with cellos and distortion pedals and sort of crazy stuff, it's like where where did that beautiful thing come from? You know, I'm not the his his version isn't. Actually, I I think she does a great version of it. His his original version, um, it's amazing that I don't know how she even came across it. I need to know. <laughs> yes, I think, um, Sorry, there, there, there does seem to be um, like it's reassuring because sometimes when you because when you see prodigious talent like such as her, then you sometimes imagine that they only listen to their style of music. Yeah, and it's very focused. So I kind of like the fact that there's such a mix of bands that she's taking covers from because it kind of shows that ah, she's one of us. She listens to like loads of stuff. She li listens to indie rock. She listens to punk. She listens to old country, um, avant-garde, New York. Like it's that's kind of when, as I said before, it's almost like it takes you on a little imaginative journey each time you're kind of going through it. So. Um, yeah, I really, to me, it, it's just nice that um, her taste is eclectic so it kind of makes you excited about what she might do next as well. It's uh -huh. not just going to be down that, the, the route that, that she has been, it, you know, it could go anywhere. So, I wonder if that will be that, like what Finley was saying, like this is a good album to test out the water and a more kind of commercial, more kind of, it's not poppy, but it's definitely more middle of the road, you know, a mainstream kind of thing. But, whether that's going to be a direction for her if this record does well. Um, well, there's a real problem if you're, you know, if, if you're pitching to that sort of folky and bluegrass market, is that you know what turns up at your gigs is lots of lots of bald men, yeah, with beards of a certain age who who buy who you know who buy music, which is you know they do they pay money for music, but that is you know, um, and I think if anyone's offended by that, then you're you're kidding yourself. But you know, a, wait a minute—that that was the same kind of ID for the people who turned up to the wing, winged victory for the sullen gigs as well. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Bald men of a certain age with beards. Bald men of a certain of which age we with are two of them. So yeah, I know. Well, uh, yeah, and that's why I say, like, if anyone's offended by that, well, yeah, you know, go and look in the mirror. Um, <laughs> go and look in your mirrored heart. That was a wee thing nice. there from this one. So yeah, I did. Um, it's a good point, though. With 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 genres that are more, you know, like bluegrass or folk, or you know. It can be hard because there is a very definite. It it, it it changes all the time, but whatever's in view or ever whatever's in trend, that's kind of what people accept as being good in that. And yeah, it's quite hard to kind of change within that and stay there. Well, you were at that. You were at the gig that uh, weren't you? The the where? Oh, the Punch Brothers. The Punch Brothers gigs. Have you heard this, Louis? Maybe no. you were there as well. Yeah, no, no, I, I've I seen them in Shetland, but. Um... I was Not. the the first time. I think it was one of their first gigs as the Punch Brothers. who were booked to play. It's the one they made the film about. <laughs> yeah, they're in it the next day in the van. <laughs> it's just like, but yeah, they were. They played the fruit market, and it was kind of. Well, it was just off the back of Chris Seeley leaving a, uh, Nickel, Nickel Creek, not Nickelback. Nickel Creek, yeah. Um, Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought. And bald men with beards of a certain age turned up expecting something. <laughs> And he said, they're just like that Chad whatever his name is just going who's who, who's this guy with a little mandolin this kid with the mandolin they're all there with their tattoos and their big guitars and so I think they kind of 
the Celtic connection. They, well, the crowd that we're in, we're just expecting Nickel Creek and kind of waiting for all the hits. And I mean, Punch Brothers have kind of, I think they've learned really well how to play the music they want to play and keep an audience engaged now. So maybe that gig wasn't the best example. Like they were really going for it and they were, but it was a stunning gig. And for me, I was just like, you know, anything Chris Thiele wants to do, I'm going to sit and listen to it because I'm kind of interested to see what he's doing next. And, but, oh, it did not go down well and people were booing, <laughs> like properly <laughs> booing and heckling wow. and like folk walked out, like musicians I know as well, like proper, were just like, bah, load of pish and walking out. And it was, it was a bit of a disaster. And in the documentary, you see them in their, their bus driving back to Glasgow airport and, um, uh, I, one of them says, I said, well, it wasn't a disaster. And the, the rest of the band just look at them and go, that wasn't a disaster. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so I think there was real worry, you know, about how they were going to, you know, stay in that kind of world. And But it, I wouldn't say they changed the music all that much. I think they just changed the show. They just learned how to, you know, keep the crowd engaged. And But yeah. We're someone not shouting place in bluegrass. Oh, I. Oh, somebody was like, just play a fucking tune. <laughs> wow. Because it, it wasn't, it was all, I mean, it was properly like eight minute bass solos and stuff and like they they really went for it. And, right. But it was, it was stunning, you know, it, it, they were incredible players. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was hilarious hearing, hearing everybody shouting out all the Nickel Creek songs. I was like, well, two of them aren't there, so I can't see this happening. <laughs> oh, but, try to remind play try to remind me yeah. <laughs> oh, what's the name of it? that'd be great yeah. it's Nickel Creek not Nickelback oh. that was the, the last time that, that time they were up in Shetland they are playing it was it the opening in Muriel and sod's law like we were me and Rory were playing a, a gig at the uh, same time and it was just like seriously like I want to go that to was right. I want to go to that, that was... gig and it was like I couldn't go because I had a gig <laughs> It's just like that, that was the only the first gig I've ever seen where the band came on and the audience gave them a standing ovation. <laughs> because oh, wow. the, the whole audience was Shetland's local music scene that had been waiting for them to or like that worshipped Chris Tilly and worshipped like the whole band. So they basically came on the stage and everybody just went like because they just knew it was going to be a, an amazing gig. Yeah. There were a few albums in by that point, so. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, that was probably one of the greatest uh, shows I've ever seen. Um, but I kind of wish I'd been at the Glasgow one now, <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just to see it all go wrong. Yeah, kind of feel like it was almost like the opposite of uh, Bob Dylan and the Judas shout. <laughs> that uh, it was like Nickel, Nickel Creek. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was it. Uh, I've probably told you a story before, finally, but it was at the Peter Gabriel concert at Glasgow, and that was the. Uh, the classic kind of heckling it was just like the whole show he was playing a new album and from about the third number in it was just this one voice going sledgehammer <laughs> <laughs> and like every time a song stopped this amazing stage was in the middle of the you know big circular stage and lights and everything it was incredible and he'd finish the next song like play sledgehammer <laughs> it's went on and on and on and then about 20 minutes to the end they, they do the big build up sledgehammer hits and it's like ah, oh, amazing and as soon as that dies down it's like Salisbury Hill <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh my god come on he's going yeah. to play them he's going to do them but I've yeah. just told you the, the one with Steve Earle where like he walks on stage and he starts playing and someone just goes play Copperhead Road and he just stops playing and he just looks out at the crowd and he goes like that of course I'm going to fucking play Copperhead Road of course I am do you think I'm a fucking idiot <laughs> anybody else you know I was just like I'll fucking take you all on and then he basically then he starts playing do you know what I mean and it's like yeah, I don't think we should ask for any songs. I think he's gonna he's gonna come into the crowd and someone's gonna get that mandolin wrapped around their head, you know. <laughs> he had the he had the biker jacket, you know, like the Hell's Angels biker jacket thing on as well. He looked mental. It must get tiring for them, but I would love to be in a band that has hits. I think I would. Love, yeah. I would. I would take the heckles just to have the hits up the sleeve, just to be able to go right. Where Washington Square Park. <laughs> <laughs> of course we'll play Washington Square Park. <laughs> but 
<laughs> Here's an eight minute bass solo before that. <laughs> it's uh, we seen we went to the the Deacon Blue gig, uh, and it was that way watching a band that's got hits, and you just go because it, it was a good gig, but I would I would say the crowd the crowd were up for it. It was a Friday night in Glasgow, and it was like rocking, but they just knew. With, you know, the last 40 minutes to go, it was just like, right, hit dignity. And then suddenly the whole place, it was at a football stadium. It was just like, that must be some feeling to be on that stage and know it's coming up in the set list. And it's like, right, here we go. We've we've won. We know we've won. You know, there is, there's nothing to worry about here at all. And yeah, that would be it nice. Must, it must be kind of empty though as well that when you've maybe got 20 or 30 years of a career after those songs. Yeah. And yet, people—you know—that people are going to go home and say, "What was the highlight?" Ah, uh, when they did, you like speak about that last half an hour, the first hour and a half, completely ignored. Yeah, don't care. Well, it was a cool thing actually on the the Word podcast a long time ago. They do, they do a Dylan cast almost annually, and one of them they were talking about, and they said he must be one of the only guys that's going out there and doing gigs of that era that is actually doing like doing new stuff and people are actually interested in hearing the new stuff. Yeah. You know, most, a lot of the crowd. And the thing is his career, he's got so many good things on later albums that, you know what I mean? You couldn't even do, a, he couldn't even do a gig of all, all of this good stuff because it would be too long. You know, I guess, you know, Springsteen fans are maybe the same, although I've mentioned Springsteen's new album on my la on the last podcast. I'm not, not a fan. Um, <laughs> I have to agree sure. with you actually. Sure he's, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's really sad about that. <laughs> um, what else? What else are you listening to, Louis? What, what have you been listening to this week? Um, well, I, see, since lockdown a year ago, and me and an old school friend that lives in the Netherlands, um, we obviously don't see much of each other. So we just before lockdown even started, we decided we we were going to have a Spotify session where. We'd pick a theme or a few themes, and then you've got to pick top three songs for each of those categories. So it might be like best movie soundtrack, um, best songs of like a band. So it might be top three Beatles songs or top three um, Irish trad tune. Like it could be absolutely anything. Motown, could, you know, any category. All right. And it kind of gives you a focus to. Um, like it gets you listening to stuff you wouldn't normally listen to. And um, so all I need to do is just look up <laughs> the last session we did to look at this last stuff I've been listening to. That's a great idea. But, That's brilliant. Um, but the, I suppose for me, because it was Celtic Connections was on, I was listening to a lot of the acts that were, were playing at that. And I suppose we've always got like the festival hat on as well because you're always thinking like what, what bands would be would do well here, or you're looking at bands that have played here and keeping an eye out for them, kind of thing. So, um, trying to think what the you mentioned, um, oh, for, she's like really famous, and her name's gone out of my head. Um, American singer that's just done folklore album, um, Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, I, I never listened to her at all, and I've just started listening to her in the last month. She did a song with the national singer, actually, Coney Island. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's really uh, good. Yeah, I can't, can't stop listening to that song. Very good. And it's the two voices together, and the lyrics are just so clever. Oh, it's it, a real good. Is that that's not the one about killing the boyfriend, is it? It's about it's it's all about sitting on a bench in Coney Island, wondering where my baby's gone, and oh, it's all yeah. about um, sorry for not making you my centerfold, and it's oh, just that's, yeah, it's, it's just a really nice. Um, so I've been listening to her folklore album, and then that's her kind of. I think it's a sister album to folklore. Yeah. Um, so that's been on quite a lot. It's, I suppose it's quite. You, you find because you're not going out anywhere right now, then more soothing, relaxing stuff seems to tie in better. Yeah. That was, um, so the dirty projectors wasn't helpful for people from <laughs> that point of view. <laughs> I. I kind of, uh, when I was listening to your, your last podcast with that, then I, I did listen to them, but it was the kind of music that if you have a musician's head on, you actually find it really interesting and quite fascinating listening Aye. to them. But if you tried to listen to it as a, as a list, just as a listener and just try and do other stuff and listen to it, then it did actually 
make you feel slightly nauseous. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at one, I, I was wearing headphones and the sound was like traveling around, going around me. Like there'd be an instrument, you had it on your left ear and then it worked its way over to your right ear and you were like kind of freaking out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, I played it to uh, to Lucy and Jillian and, and, and everybody fell out. <laughs> just pop, put it on, if you fancy a wee argument, just pop it on in the background. Um, in the trad kind of stuff then, I really enjoying Matt Clear's album. Oh, it's brilliant. It's absolutely it's brilliant. Just, it's like um, if somebody took four men and a dog but remixed them with Van Halen. Right. It's like, like it's got a real kind of 80s... Um, because they've got almost like synth yeah, sound yeah. with it, and it just completely. But again, it's it's almost frustrating as well because it would be the perfect band to go and see and actually dance to. But it, you you know that you can't do that just now, really. No. So, yeah. it, so I'm just I'll, sitting and dancing around the house with that would be great. I love that when I heard the first couple of tracks off it, I was just like, "Oh, this is," you know, because it's hard doing trad stuff, and. You know, it's not it's not difficult. You can put a stomp box on and a sub in it, and it's like it sounds big and dancey. But it's like I, I don't know. It's two worlds kind of clashing sometimes. And but when I heard that, I was like, they have absolutely nailed this because it it just sounds so fun. Like all the the keyboard stuff for me, it's just like I love it. Like I'd love to play in that band because it's they've not it, got an awesome cover as well. It's got a really brilliant cover. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah. all their yeah. all their you know the promotion stuff for it's been incredible but um, i see i heard one of the tracks popped up on my um on my new music playlist a wee while ago and you know and it was kind of i didn't know what was playing with my phones in my pocket and i was like what is this and it does that i think you hit the nail on the head it's really good crack yeah you could it's, it's really good fun crack. With it. they're not i think they're, they're taking it seriously but it sounds like they're having a lot you know it's like how far can we take this sound like the, the work between the synths and the guitar in it is incredible and it's properly legit pop, like eighties kind of pop, you know. Yeah, there's one of the. Do you guys remember a TV show called Top Club that was like on STV or like ITV? Vaguely, it might have been just north of Scotland, but it was basically a like a pub, basically a a quiz that different pubs entered, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was like presented on ITV. <gasps> it, it, I've, I've got it. Shall, shall yeah. we? Uh, shall can, I see? You, can you find the intro music? Because yeah, yeah, shall we the, just? The, shall the, we? The, yeah. yeah. Shall we? Let's let's just hang on. Right, I think. Oh 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 oh! oh. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? Um, share sound. Oh, here we go. Oh, I remember this. Right. This is what some of Metclear stuff sounds like. <laughs> Totally remember this. I don't remember it at all. Top Club. It must have been an STV ah, Grampian thing, eh? Yeah. Who was on it? Who did it? We can end up watching this full episode now. Hello and welcome once more to Top Club 1991. And we're in the second <laughs> stage of... Oh, wow. What a, what a blast from the past. Oh, that's tonight sorted. Yeah. Wow. Top uh, Club. Funny though, I was speaking to my friend that I do the Spotify challenge with him and um, he's he's not quite into like folk and trad as much as, as I am but it makes it quite interesting because he'll share stuff that I've never heard of and vice versa so I put the Met Clear track on and I think it's one of the tracks that's a really kind of 80s sounding one and I just said to him think of the theme tune of Top Club mixed with the chair <laughs> and then he just went you couldn't have oversold this any. Like before he listened to it, he was like, "You're really setting yourself up for a fall here." <laughs> <laughs> and then you could just see like silence on the messenger for a while, and then it was like, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" <laughs> <laughs> we should uh, we should write their promo material for for them, yeah. or you should do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how their that's how their thing will appear in Shetland Folk Festival 2022. <laughs> <laughs> we should send that <laughs> that thing to them because their their videos have been putting up. They've got one to one of the tracks, and it's kind of like a eighties workout thing, where they've got a clip of like you know, but it looks like it's on VHS and it's got that exact same look, but like them doing a a a video like a mock up of a a Grampian 90, early nineties Grampian TV game oh, show wow. would be perfect. 
Yeah. Look North was it was a, was really good for the grainy TV stuff as well, which is the one of the English ones, the Manchester one, wasn't it? Uh, hey, that's great. What, what have you been listening to, Angus? Uh, Molly Tuttle, it's really good. You should check it out. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Me too. Did you get a chance for anything else, or have you just been listening to the sound of your children running around your house? I've been, oh, Dad, Dad, <laughs> she's done it again, Dad. That's been my soundtrack this week. Um, no, I've been, I've actually, through the album, I found myself with this, going through this process again of like, going down rabbit holes of like, oh, you know, finding out who's on the record and then going listening to some of the stuff they've done. And oh, nice. so the previous two records, I've had them on, I've been listening to some of the national stuff again. Um, and I was watching, actually, I've, Subscribe to this thing. It's called Mix with the Masters. It's like <laughs> a, a, it's basically like some you know, mix and master engineers uh, sitting at a desk and going, well for this record I used an SM57. <laughs> I pushed the fader up and the noise got louder. I pulled the fader down and the noise got quieter. Let's talk about <laughs> panning. <laughs> it's a little bit more advanced than that, and it, but they were doing a the guy that mixed the last national record. He was uh, doing a. It was like a two-hour thing on basically talking through the mix and breaking it all down and the process of how they do it. And so that sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole with that. There was that, one of their tracks, they do a thing, they record like three drum kits all the time. So, and then when you listen to the mix, he was soloing them all. And it was just like, there was this one drum kit, which was like beautiful part and everything. And it was maybe like, I don't know, like 5% in the mix. You couldn't hear it at all. <laughs> and they went to all this effort of getting this incredible thing happening. But, um, so uh, yeah, a bit of national, and then for my my carbohydrate, how they earn their money by fannying about? Kind of, yeah. You're like, you don't really need that, but uh, yeah, if you could, you do, you know. So, um, and my my carbohydrate listening, as we we're talking about, like going back to stuff I I know and I love, um, I'd recommended. I think I was speaking to Callum about it last week about uh, the Danish band Efterklang. Efterklang. Oh yeah, we went to their gig. Amazing! Like I, I, they're just one of my favorite bands, and I've seen them. They were fantastic live as well. Did we go together? Yeah, and Jill came as well. It was absolutely. It was a cracker. It was though. I can't even remember the name. It was the one with the, the picture of the kind of architecture on the front cover. Oh yeah, was that? <laughs> or maybe that's all their albums. But was that Oren Moore? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I totally love that band. They're, they're kind of somewhere between. What we were talking about, like dirty projectors. If you listen to it with a musician's ear, it's interesting, but it's too much. For I think after Clang, I've got that thing of it's always fascinating just to analyse it and listen to everything that's going on, but it never it never goes ahead of the the top line or the, the actual the point of the song or the emotion of the song. Like it, it just supports it so well. So I'd been kind of going back and listening to a few of their records again, and when you listen to them, like in a, a studio, we a setup and stuff, it's just like. Phew, it's incredible, like absolutely incredible. So, so that's that's been my week. No, no new big discoveries. Um, but I do know what's coming next week, um, and that's interesting. Oh, so, can can you announce it on this? Because yeah, because by the time I get this up, it'll be well up. Uh, it is. <laughs> let me find. I'll get this. It's Chris Wait um, has suggested an album. Um, oh, I know him. Yeah, <laughs> nice lad. Uh, no, Great player of the game, close personal friend of the of the podcast. Yeah, it's his birthday today as well. So, was, oh, is it? Oh. I was like, happy birthday! He'll pick your album. Um, but it's been nice doing it this way. Actually, of just getting people to suggest stuff instead of putting the fear on people and uh, picking uh, someone to do it. So I've got the next few weeks lined up. Nice variety. Um, so I'm trying to find this record now. Uh, yes, okay It is The band's called Veil of Maya Oh yeah uh, And the album is called False Idol It is loud Metal okay. Metal Metal, metal. But like, All right. oh. <laughs> But you know no, it's, well, I've, I've not listened to the whole thing yet But like Really produced Like kind of Vocals are like Shouty really interesting like there's loads of stuff going on so it's a loud metally angry album but um but lots of music in it so i think this will be this will be quite an interesting one uh, apparently dan thorpe likes metal so 
I'm all, all, all right, oh, I'm maybe, always, maybe. Always thinking about Dan. Oh well. Uh, how how do you feel about that, Finley? You excited? Uh, I, I, do you know what? I'm I'm up for that. I'm up for that. I, I guess I guess I mean I'm just looking to see what I was listening to. I, I had a really strange experience actually. I listened to Carol King's Tapestry again for the first time in a long time, and realised there's there's a reason why it sold millions of copies. Quite good. It's absolutely incredible record. And at one point, I think my favourite point is she's singing this song, and I'm like, that's a great song. And I realised that in in my left ear, James Taylor was singing backing vocals, and in my right ear, it was Joni Mitchell. <laughs> I was like, well, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> and they are like completely one in one ear, one in the other. And all these, the thing that I, I, just all these little um, delicate James Taylor guitar figures and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, God, this is, this is good, you know? But the, it's just like song after song that, you know, huge hits. And, I mean, I know that she wrote them, but <laughs> some people have done some pretty special versions of them, but they all stand up so strong. It's just her doing them herself, you know? This um, is the problem I have, though. Like, you're, you you can look at loads of classic albums as a, with a songwriter's ear, uh-huh. a guitarist's ear, and Angus can, you know, in terms of piano, which is obviously played across lots of genres, but um, banjo is <laughs> slightly more difficult to find outside of a very narrow field. There's always four men and a dog. Yeah, and that's great. That's for my, us. There is always four men and a dog. That's my carbs. Yeah. Oh, they're like when you mentioned them there. I just thought, man, that's an album I could I could go back and listen to again and again. There's a couple of albums there that were just on all the time. I remember my poor old dad. He had used to have to to drag us, or, or we would he would have to drive us to go and see Wolfstone in Inverness or Cap or Cayley. And it's not that he wasn't wasn't a big fan. He just, you could just tell he couldn't be ours at all. You know, <laughs> he's just a bit like, you know, but it was, you know, it was good. It was fine. Uh, and then I was like, I really want to go and see this band, Four Men and a Dog. And he's like, all oh, right, Four Men and a Dog. And I just remember it was just like, like, perfect. It was like the best thing he'd seen in years because he wanted, he was looking for patter. Do you know what I mean? So you get Gino Lepari's patter. Oh, God, it was Anytime. outstanding. Like, just, he had this whole stand-up bit. You'll maybe remember it, Louis, the stand-up bit he did about um, Diet Guinness. But it was massive. It was like this huge, long story. And I have heard him do it a couple of times. It was just like a sort of a bit in the middle of the gig about him. You know, he'd take a sip of Guinness and he'd sort of wipe his face down and start talking about, oh, this isn't normal Guinness, this is diet Guinness, so I can drink twice as much. And just, but it went on for ages, you know. And and for all her, uh, you know, her strengths, I can't see Molly Tuttle doing that. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's still been on the road as long as Gino, so like, <laughs> it's just experience. Leap 15 years into the future and she's the size of a small house. <laughs> turns out Dyke Guinness wasn't a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that, that was Gino old. was lying. Yeah. It's probably we are in the, you know, driving back after the gig. Sometimes you're doing these big long drives up from England uh, with a band and folk have, you know, it's iPod, iPod hour and people are picking tracks and it's like, it's hilarious the emotional reaction certain bands get from the different age groups because in our band we've got uh, oh, Bruce is I'm giving away Bruce's age Bruce is early 50s I'm early 40s and then uh, the next lockdown are early 30s so there's this 20 year age gap and the stuff anytime like four men and a dog go on it's like anybody over 30 is just like yes you know it takes you right back to yeah. being like 10 yeah. or you know like hearing those records or Cap or Cayley but like the younger ones that wasn't what they were listening to when they were coming through. So you just don't know about them. They don't really, they've heard of them, but they, and they've maybe heard the records as an adult, but it doesn't quite have the same kind of emotional connection as stuff that you had on, or you're playing along with when you were a kid and kind of going to see. But yeah, it's, I'm a big, the Capper Cayley, that's, that's always one for me. <laughs> That's your jam. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost like a, a serious fight in the band like when it gets on to like Capper Cayley or Wolfstone. It's a pretty even split. Oh but really? Like, oh yeah, I can't, I can't entertain. There's only one winner there, or and run rig as well. It's just like no. Wolfstone. <laughs> no. <laughs> right, Finley. Uh, <laughs> uh, but as you get older, you you come to appreciate Capper Keely. But but when you're when you're fourteen, 
is Wolfstone. No, I no, don't see. I don't see Capper no. Cayley standing on top of the standing on top of the PA speakers playing the bass. I could see Mark Duff doing that, <laughs> even though he wasn't meant to be playing bass. <laughs> Randomly picked it up, <laughs> like oh, whatever. But uh, yeah. but yeah, there's nothing better than going back to a, an album that was you know you had on constantly when you were a kid or you were growing up. And I, I find them. I, I think nostalgia's been a big thing this last year, so I've probably looked back far more than is healthy but it's been really nice and when you look back in terms of like an album that you just completely forgot about and you like put on the physical album yeah and listen to it like start to finish it's it's been a lot of kind of wow moments because you're like this really was good this is this wasn't just my imagine yeah yeah it wasn't just hype at the time. It wasn't just. There's plenty of other examples where you. Uh, <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I'm. I'm going to go ahead and there's a certain band that begin with the letter O that I I cannot stand. But when their record first came out, I had it on a lot. But now I just. Oh my god! It drives me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I was more of a Blur fan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the pulp keyboardist's family was Shetland, so that's how. Oh yeah. Oh, so Shetland's a pulp's a Shetland band. Yeah, they came up. They they played Shetland, which was like the biggest deal in the world at the time. That's right. There, there was a big there was a big deal about that because he did sort of said he felt quite strongly that all the other bands were only playing the Central Belt in Scotland, and yeah, yeah, they played played the click them in. Wow. And then. Uh, and because I, like, I would have been about eleven at the time, but you could you had to be over twelve to buy a ticket, so missed out. Oh, I still no. think it, it's still like a oh. source of bitterness for me. That I didn't, <laughs> didn't see. Oh, that's terrible! It's like the the Callum Kennedy. Have you seen that the Callum's Commando course? Really? Oh man! Oh well, well we sort you out. I know YouTube. where you can get a copy. It's on YouTube. Oh, someone's put it on YouTube. That's Aye, great. The same copy. Someone it, has. We were talking about <laughs> uh, bands uh, going to, kind of, you know, not just playing the Central Belt. So it's Callum Kennedy in the late 70s. And Callum's on tour with his full tour going round the outposts, as he likes to call them, of Scotland in the middle of winter. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts, honestly, it's, it's, it's one of the best. It's funnier than Spinal Tap and it's all real. It all happens. <laughs> He right. had a, a comedian with him, he had a ventriloquist, uh, a, oh, dancers and everything. But it starts off reasonably well, like everybody's on a tour, and by the third gig, there's a escape committee has been formed, and the accordion players stole the bus. <laughs> and by the end of it, there's only like three of them left, and they're still playing in these little village halls, going around all the islands and stuff, and it's, it's, I think I've watched it at least 30 times, and it gets funnier every single time. But... The- the biggest band that came to Shetland at their peak was the Smiths came while they were a number one. They had an album at number one at the time. But unfortunately for them, Shetland was still in the punk era. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just imagine. like <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like them coming with the daffodils and, you know. Yeah. Oh I my mean, God! Shit, I heard shit. a great story about a punk in Shetland. We could, we could even finish. We could even finish with this if you wanted. Where a friend of mine <laughs> was up playing with a band, and after they finished playing, they got really drunk and they met this guy, and he was he was the last the last punk in Shetland. <laughs> <laughs> they had too much to drink, and they got thrown out of the pub, and they weren't let in. The guy, the Shetland punk guy, was absolutely furious. He said, "I'll I'll see to them. I'll see to them." <laughs> And he said, come with me. And they ran up and they managed to climb onto the roof of the pub. And <laughs> he shot down the chimney. <laughs> and for the rest, of, the rest of the band are still in the pub. And they said, you know, the fire's going in the pub. And, ah, and there's just this noise. <laughs> what? And the fire goes very dim. <laughs> and this smell. And everyone's like, oh, okay, the pub. And they're like, that bastard shot in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> oh god 
I can't remember who told me that. It was maybe David Catnick that told me that, or I can't remember who it was. But can I worry that 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 wasn't just an original thought in that moment? <laughs> you know, oh, no, he he'd done that before. <laughs> yeah, clearly did. It was just like, like throw me out, I'm going to shit down your chimney. I was just go to go to move. <laughs> I just like this idea of some absolutely out of his face as well, scaling the rooftops. I'm going to get my own back. <laughs> The mock outrage as well. Louis <laughs> like that. And that was my father. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, Gary Peterson. <laughs> the last punk in Shetland. That would be, actually that would be a great film. Yeah. <laughs> the last, last, last of the Mohicans. <laughs> in fact, very similar yeah. to Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> very more bloodshed, I think. <laughs> more bloodshed. More bloodshed, more less, Mohicans. Less pipes. <laughs> That's less the tagline. <laughs> more bloodshed, more Mohicans, less bagpipes. With lots of fiddle playing that. Soundtrack by Diggy McLean. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling kind of uh, like we're missing out on the uh, reviews this week, Finley, over the the soundtrack. But oh, I've sent them over. Have you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you? I, I had to take Dropbox off my computer this week because I've no space. Could you play play one for us now? Play one just for just for our enjoyment. Yes. Um, uh, this is the one from Folk Alley. <laughs> this article from Henry Carrigan at FolkAlley.com. It's a match made in heaven. Molly Tuttle's inventive, virtuoso guitar playing and her soaring vocals meet some of her favourite songs of I'd Rather Be With You on Compass Records. She says she found solace during the days following March 2020 tornado in Nashville and in the midst of the pandemic by revisiting these songs to remind myself why I love music. Tuttle recorded and engineered her parts of the songs and then sent them to producer Tony Berg in LA. And he called in the services of drummer Matt Chamberlain, keyboardist Patrick Warren, bassist Gabe Noel and pedal steel player Rich Hinman, among others, to add their parts in their home studios. The result is a small masterpiece that allows Tuttle to stretch out to explore various musical directions and to dwell in these songs and make them her own. The album opens with Tuttle's take on the Nationals' fake empire, with her finger-picked guitar circling round and round Warren's reverberating piano. Her atmospheric version spirals into the erythral. Her joyous take on She's a Rainbow features Tuttle's crystalline leads on the song's instrumental bridge. There's a moment on the second and closing instrumental bridge on which Tuttle, Warren and Hinman capture the shimmering beauty of the ways that individual droplets of water fall together in sunlight to create a rainbow. The song ends as it begins with Tuttle's sparkling, effervescent lead runs, the quiet beauty of the version of Arthur Russell's A Little Lost washes over us with its gently flowing confluence of musical forces. Tuttle's vocals on the refrain channel Joni Mitchell's transcendent vocals. Tuttle's vocals and musical genius are made for a song such as Karen Dalton's poignant Something on Your Mind. And Tuttle turns this one into her own ballad of grace and emotional gravity. Old Crow Medicine Show's Ketch Secker lends his vocals to the urgent punk rocker Olympia Wah, which rides along Noel's propulsive bass and Tuttle's swirling lead runs, while Tuttle's take on the Grateful Dead's Standing on the Moon, from which Tuttle's album takes its title, captures the Dead's intricate stylistic flair, as well as the Dead's hypnotic... 
and transporting rhythms. But I'd Rather Be With You illustrates Molly Tuttle's exceptional musical intuition and creativity and her ability to know exactly how to bring out the essence of a song. She dwells in these songs, deeply making them her own, showing us why we should be listening to Molly Tuttle's entrancing playing and singing as much as we can. There you go. Brilliant. Sold. I'm going to buy it now. Could I, could I just, I got to play this one because this was the best one I found because things are different in the States. Check out this from Garden and Gun magazine. Oh. <laughs> real magazine. <laughs> I thought it was a piss take, but Garden and Gun magazine is a real thing. This article by Daisy or Sivright in Garden and Gun magazine. Molly Tuttle has been playing guitar since she was eight years old and performing since her early teens. Hailed by many, including progressive bluegrass pioneer Sam Bush as one of bluegrass' most promising young stars, Tuttle has since released two solo albums, graced stages alongside genre icons and nabbed two Guitar Player of the Year awards at the IBMAs, the first woman ever to win the distinction. Her latest effort, But I'd Rather Be With You, just out today, finds the 27-year-old putting her own spin on ten cover songs, showing off her vocal and instrumental chops on everything from the Rolling Stones, She's a Rainbow, to the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Zero. For the album, which she recorded while sheltering in her place at Nashville, Tuttle wanted to remind herself of what she loved about music, and revisiting some favourite songs seemed like a natural starting point. I went searching for songs that I felt I could put my own voice to, she says, so I wasn't really covering the artists that people might expect me to. During the recording process, Tuttle sent clips back and forth with Los Angeles-based producer Tony Berg and enlisted a number of guests, including drummer Matt Chamberlain and Old Crow Medicine Show vocalist Ketch Sekor to contribute to recordings from their own home studios. The slate of well-known musical guests won't surprise Tuttle fans, who are used to seeing her alongside fellow young guns like Billy Strings or Della May. But for the delicate mirrored heart, a song by avant-garde English singer-songwriter Fkar Twiggs, Tuttle took a solo approach. That was the last song I worked on for the record, and the only one where I ended up recording all the parts myself, she says. I sang all the harmony parts and played the guitar. It's an intimate song, and that's what I tried to capture with my version. Today, Garden and Gun is proud to premiere the video for Mirrored Heart, a perfect visual counterpart to the heart-wrenching tune recorded at the beloved Nashville venue, The Basement. The Basement is actually the first venue I've ever played in town, and it's really special to me, Tuttle explains. 